As we look back over the past year or so, it has been full of challenges and difficulty. For some, more than they've ever experienced before. Pastor Ed Taylor shares this bit of encouragement. As I look at the world today and I look what we're involved in, I want to remind you, church, that we were born for this. Our birth date is such where we are to be on the planet Earth today in this environment with these challenges, with these setbacks. We were born for this. You were born for this. You were born again for this. And, and I know that there's this concern of isolation and having to pull back, but it's not God's will for believers to be isolated from this world. It's God's will that we infiltrate this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his desire. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You When you're facing an impossibility, it's about that time many lose heart. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that's the time to exhibit faith in God. And get this, the Lord has the strength you need to get through. That's one of the great lessons we'll glean from Abraham and Sarah's lives, recalled for us in Hebrews chapter 11. Before we get there, Pastor Ed Taylor says we can expect some strife along life's road. Strife is a part of life. And let me just say this in Abram's life, because if you see, Lot, Abram says, hey, look, we don't want any strife. In verse 9, the whole land's before you. Just choose something. You choose, and I'll choose the opposite. Just we need to separate, and, and you choose first, Lot. Now, Lot, he chooses. He chooses the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to ruin his family. It's going to ruin his legacy. It's going to ruin his effectiveness. And yet, Abram did, just said, okay, you choose, and I'll choose the other way. We, we can't have this anymore. And I want to add one more thing before we move on. And that is sometimes God uses the strife in your life to get your attention. To, to cause you to cry out in prayer. And sometimes God uses strife to, to cause humility and brokenness in your life. Other times God uses strife to remove someone out of your life. You see, in order to, for Abram to receive the promise we're going to read in a moment... He needed to have Lot removed from his life. It, that had to happen first. That's why we started. You go, Ed, where's this with Sarah and Abram? We're talking all about Lot. Well, I want to show you something. I want you to realize this. Sometimes there has to be a removal of someone out of our lives before we're able to move forward in faith. And God uses strife here to separate. It doesn't have, it's not permanent. It's not a permanent separation because when Lot gets in trouble, Abram's going to go save him. So it's not permanent. But in order, sometimes in our lives, we have to let go in order to lay hold of. We need to let go of. You know, in this case, Lot is, he loves the world more than he loves God. And it's affecting Abram. It's causing strife. Sometimes it's a, just a believer that just really doesn't, they, they love the world more than they love you. They love the world more than they love God. And God says, look, I'm going to use strife to separate you for a season. I'm going to use strife to get you to myself because the Bible tells us to separate ourselves. But I'm telling you, most of the time we don't like making that decision. Most of the time we don't want to make that decision. 
So what will God do? He'll use circumstances. He'll use strife to make that decision for us. Could be that, it, that it's not maybe a believer that's kind of backslidden that's affecting you. It could be an unbeliever. And God's using strife to get your attention and separate you for a season. Oh, it's not that you shouldn't have any unbelieving friends and pull yourself out of the world. Absolutely not. We're building bridges to a lost world. But in those close, tight relationships, God could be using strife to separate you from people so that you can hear and enjoy the blessings of God and receive fresh new promises so you can move forward by faith. Remember, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And there might be people in your life right now that are hurting you, not helping you. Taking, but not giving. Draining, but not developing. And they're sapping you of your spiritual strength and effectiveness. Those that don't encourage you, but discourage you. Those that don't help you, but tear you down. They don't build you up, but cut you out. That you need to separate from them so you can hear the voice of the Lord. Because that's exactly what happens in verse 14. It says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from this place where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. And all the land that you see I'll give to you and your descendants forever. By the way, the descendants that are more than the sand of the seashore. I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if a man could number the dust, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I'll give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent, went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar there to the Lord. There needed to be this separation before the promise came. And in, in life, you just need to expect conflict and division. In this church, you just need to expect it. You might come to a church and go, well, you know what, uh, the, 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 coming into a church gathering, I'm not going to experience any difficulties, any, but we're not in heaven yet. We might get a taste of heaven, but we're not in heaven yet. Here you will experience all of the difficulties of the earth, of being a part of the world. And so let me give you a few things, if you're taking notes, let me give you a few things to consider when it comes to strife, where we can avoid strife and we can avoid making it worse, but just a few things. The first thing is humility. When you humble yourself, strife ceases. It stops. That's what Abram did. Abram said, I know what's going on. I, I know the strife, but you know what, Lot? Pick somewhere. Whatever you want. You can look wherever you want. It's yours. He was the elder. This is something he should have done. He could have said, I'm taking the good ground. Lot, you take whatever. But he humbled himself. You'd be surprised the power of humility. Secondly, when it comes to strife, I want you to remember that it happens. Don't be surprised. Sometimes you're the cause of strife. We think of strife someone else, but sometimes you're the cause. Sometimes it's your flesh. Sometimes it's your inability to obey. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes I cause stress as a, as a human, as a fellow believer. And I need to remember it's there and that I can be a part of it. Like I could be the cause of it. It's not just them, it's us. We're a family, we're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. And so no, don't be surprised when it happens. Thirdly, it's important to put on the mind of Christ. And you say, Ed, what do you mean? Well, you need to think of things the way Jesus thought of things. And one of the ways that really encourages me is how Jesus, he always did the Father's will. What's going to bring the most glory to God? Think about what that would do for everything in your life besides strife. 
how it would help how you post and how you talk and how you write emails and how you treat people at work and how you serve your neighbor, just to glorify God and build the kingdom. And then finally, or excuse me, number four, emphasize what's important. If you do have a conversation with someone to try to resolve things, just make sure you talk about what's important. Emphasize the main things. Don't get all personal and and uh, don't, you know, I, I, sometimes we'll try to resolve something, but we'll place all kinds of burdens on the other person. And you might even use this phrase, be careful when you use this phrase, when you say to someone, you made me feel. Well, actually, nobody makes you feel anything. Your feelings are a response to someone's actions. So when you're talking about some sin or issue, it's not you made me feel. You want to focus on the words you said were wrong. The actions you took were not what I see in the Bible. But how you feel is not someone else's responsibility. You guys with me so far? Say amen at home. Say it out loud. Even the kids with me. We often make things worse when we lay burdens on people that actually aren't the issue. Lot gets to choose. He moves on. We get the we get the promise of God. We see God interacting with, with Abraham. Lift up your eyes. Check this out. Why? Because they have a relationship. And then there's Sarah. And notice in chapter 18 of Genesis, this is so cool. Like chapter 18 now, there's this visitation, it says, in verse 2 of three men. They come to deliver a promise. Many believe that one of these men is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, which is great, according to verse 3. And then it says in verse 9, it says, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, this is Abram talking, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, which we already know. Sarah's 90, Abraham's in his hundreds. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, in the promise of God, what does Sarah do? laughed within herself, saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why is, did, I, did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything, if you don't have this marked already, you need to, in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? So let, answer this out loud, whether you're here or watching online. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, absolutely not. And I know you have a lot of hard things in your life right now. And I know you have a lot of impossibilities. I know we don't have this exaggerated example like Sarah where she's 90 years old. Well, you know, the promise came earlier than that, that she would have a baby when she was past age. And it, obviously that's not the promise to us, but I wonder what impossibility. I, I can't help when I hear that word impossible, think of a situation that's absolutely impossible in my life. It cannot be solved by humans at all. It can't be resolved by logic. It can't be resolved by human, uh, by common sense. It can't be resolved by reasoning. It can't be resolved by begging. It can't be resolved by any other means than God intervening. And he's allowed that into my life for the last seven years and more. It, it is impossible. And we've tried in human ways and it doesn't work. Only God's going to be able to solve it. And I wonder what impossibility. You have a situation with your son right now, with your daughter. It isn't going to be your words. It's going to be your love. It's impossible. Only God can make this work. Only God can bring encouragement. Only God can help. And that's where they're at. 
They have a promise, but only God can do it. But then if only God can do it, is anything too hard for God? No. No, nothing's too hard for God. At the appointed time, he says in verse 14, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. By the way, you know how you keep things inside. You know how you have an inside voice. You know how if you laugh, you might chuckle. You might be cynical inside. We may not know, but God knows. <laughs> God knows. Everything's revealed. So it's not okay just to keep things in. It's better to repent and release things. But let's come back to Hebrews 11 as we wind down here. How is Sarah remembered? She's a la- she laughed. She lied and she doubted God. Genesis. She laughed, she lied, and she doubted God. And how is she remembered in verse 11? By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and bore a child because she judged him faithful who had promised. Remember, this is the hall of faith and not the hall of failure. And you read Sarah, you might have known the scripture already in Genesis and go, by faith? What do you mean? She's a liar. She's a denier of God. She doubts God. She doesn't believe God's promises. She hides in the tent and laughs at God by faith. And haven't you found this to be true? There's always somebody to come along and remind you of your past. It's true. All of it's true. Sarah had faith and had a baby in 90 years old. She also had time of doubting. She also had an episode of lying. She also had issues with her laughter and not being honest about it and laughing at the promises of God. She had the kid. Remember what they name him? Isaac. What does his name mean in Hebrew? Laughter. Because it was funny. The whole thing was funny. Didn't you get to a place sometimes in your life you just look back and go, man, Lord, I chose to go the hard way. I could have gone the easy way, but I went the hard way. And you just got to laugh and go, oh, Lord, I need a sense of humor. I want to go the easy way. Because you can go the easy way, you can go the hard way. You choose. And here we are. We have faith of Sarah. She believed God. She believed her husband. She doubted. She lied. She struggled. She wondered. She had a baby according to the promises of God. Because not even your weaknesses will hold back the promises of God. And she made it to the hall of faith. Even though, even though she didn't see the fullness of the promise to Abraham, Mark these words in verse 13. They all died in faith. And you know, if you and I are not raptured, if we're not the generation, if it's not our generation that's raptured, all of us will die in faith too as believers. We'll do the same thing because we won't see the fulfillment of every promise that God has ever given to us. We'll die in faith. And while we walk on this earth, we need to take hold of this. We need to acknowledge that we've seen the promises of God. I mark these words. Promises, in verse 13, seen, assured, embraced, and confessed. That's the pathway of faith. They are seen, assured, embraced, and confessed. As we live not on this world, but for that heavenly home that's to come. We get really excited about the heavenly home. We've talked about it in these studies because that that was part of what motivated Abraham. He looked for that home. He looked for that heavenly scene. He had the eternal perspective in mind. He was able to to navigate through this world knowing that this world is not at the end. He's a sojourner, and it's very encouraging. 
And as you and I go through, I know we get so excited about that glorious place of rest, finally in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, worshiping him, reunited with our loved ones, our parents, our siblings, for some our kids, reunited in heaven for all of eternity. We look forward to that. We have an inheritance, a treasure it is for you and I to walk by the Holy Spirit because life on earth comes with so many difficulties and so many sorrows and so many setbacks and pain and disappointment. All of these, what? They just make heaven so much more attractive. It's like, and you know, we're often accused of, oh, you're just escapist. No, not at all. I just have hope. I have hope that there's a better day coming. I have hope of the promises of God being fulfilled. I have hope that his word is true beginning to end. I don't want to escape. I want to be faithful while I'm here. I mean, I guess in one way, I do want to escape pain and difficulties, but I'm learning that ain't going to happen. God's going to use it in my life. That even the worst days in my life will become the best days when God has redeemed them in my life. And so in some respects, sure, I would love to escape difficulties, but as I look at the world today and I look what we're involved in, I want to remind you, church, that we were born for this. Our birth date is such where we are to be on the planet Earth today in this environment with these challenges, with these setbacks. We were born for this. You were born for this. You were born again for this. And, and I know that there's this uh, concern of isolation and having to pull back, but it's not God's will for believers to be isolated from this world. It's God's will that we infiltrate this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his desire. The solution to the problems is not to isolate ourselves. The solution to the problem is to find open doors, to learn from Sarah, to learn from Abraham, to make that daily conscious decision to look forward and not backward. Did you, I hope you didn't miss that. It says in uh, verse 15 that if they would have um, looked backwards, they might have gone back. Do you notice that? It says, truly, if they called to mind what country they came from, then they would have had opportunity to return. We've got to learn to look forward. It's the upward call of Christ and call of God in Christ Jesus. It is forgetting those things that are behind. It's into faith we go, following God. And Sarah shows us, yeah, she's not perfect. She, she made mistakes. Abraham made mistakes. She made, he made huge mistakes with his wife that would cause any woman to doubt him, any woman to doubt her husband. But how does she go down in Hebrews? A woman of faith. It's the same thing going to happen in your life. You're going to be that woman of faith, ladies, by taking all the circumstances into account as you choose to obey God. And you're going to become that man of faith, guys, as you choose to follow God, no matter your failures, moving forward. The world needs you. The world needs you. And you need the world. And you're like, man, Ed, I need the world like a root canal. Like, yeah, I really need the world. I want to go to heaven. And who likes root canals? I don't like root canals personally. However, I like the result. I needed one. I got one. Dennis did their thing. And, and now I know that that's going to be a place of healing and no longer a source of pain in my life. Sometimes you need a root canal. <laughs> and you always need the world. And, and think about it this way. You can exchange world, the world system and the people in this world, with family. Because you were born into the family you're in right now. Or adopted in like I was. And you can't choose your family. God chose your family for you. 
You can even exchange world family with church family. God chose your church family. You didn't choose it. Now, I know there's some discussion of why I was visiting churches and checking out churches. Sure, but if you're a real believer, God led you to this church or that church. God led you. It's his choice. The church you want to find is the one God chose for you, not the one that you chose. Well, I like this and I like that and I like all these things. Great, but does God like it? Is that where God wants you? Because when you have that confidence, you get through anything. And you exchange, you need the world, the world needs you. You need your family, your family needs you. You need your church family, your church family needs you. It all fits. Why do we need the world? Why do we need the family? Because God uses the world, the family, the church family to train us. (laughs) The difficulties train you. The hardships train you. The joys, you know, you get a taste of heaven. We're worshiping and exciting and it's awesome. And then, and then that's a taste of heaven. But also you go through the difficulties and the hardships and you get through them. You need the world. The world needs you. What does the world need you? Because you're the salt and the light. You're able to pause when you're there at the drive through window of McDonald's and the person, the gal that's taking your money, you're talking about the current events and she says, you know, I'm really scared right now. And you pause there and you say, well, can I pray for you right here? You there and me in my car, I want to pray for you because I know it's a scary time and it's an uncertain time. But I want you to know I'm a little less scared than you. Well, why? Because I have a relationship with the one true God. And by faith, we'll get through this. By faith, we can look back, can't we? I can look back in my life and been through some really heavy-duty stuff. And I just shared that with you in the past tense, didn't I? I've been through. Why have I been through? Because God got me through. And it's past. And God's going to do the same thing in our lives. By faith, Sarah receives strength. And the same is true for you and me. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, before we let you go, I really like what you said a moment ago. By faith, we'll get through this. And that applies even in a pandemic, doesn't it? Wow, here we are thinking that the pandemic is over and now these new variants are up and new things are happening. And I just read today that Israel's delaying their opening even longer into August. And yes, we'll get through this. We'll get through this, whether it's pandemic related, we'll get through this, the pain of a prodigal child. We'll get through this, the difficulty of grief and sorrow. We're going to get through this together. The Lord is faithful. The Bible says that he will perfect that which concerns us. The Bible tells me that what God has started, he will be faithful to complete. And we'll get through this. And it's good that we get through this by faith and not by taking things in our own hands. We won't get through anything by taking things in our own hands. I will make it worse. So stop right where you are. Ask God for a special anointing of faith as you wait upon the Lord, as you trust him, and as you look forward to what God has for you in the future. Now, one more thing, Larry. By faith, we'll get through this. One of the things that's super important, listen, guys, one of the things that's super important is that we look backwards and are reminded of the times we did get through things, especially when we thought we wouldn't. The Lord is faithful, and he'll get you through this one. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And listening friend, if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety, just visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. It's titled, By Faith, Sarah and Abraham Waited on God. 
It's also available through the Calvary Church app. Just search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Depression. If you've not experienced it yourself, I'm sure you know of someone who has. And yes, even Christians struggle with depression. We want to share an excellent book on the subject called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness, written by Edward T. Welch. We'll gladly send you a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can now order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please also remember it is your financial support that helps us do what we do here at Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. You can make a secure donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Have you been blessed by this ministry? If so, we want to hear about it. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.